Take your Bible to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We've been working on this chapter for a good long while, taking it a few verses at a time, but we're looking to finish up starting in verse 19, going to the end of the chapter in verse 24. And in this passage, uh, we are looking at our assurance. How do we know that we're saved? Well, let me just start off by saying one of the things I learned uh, early on in Bible college was our salvation was uh, based on the uh, veracity of God. And uh, that was interesting because I I never had heard the word veracity even, but it's a word that means truthfulness, uh, being truthful. How do we know we're saved? Well, because Jesus said, Or the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I had a friend one time tell me, well, well, Mike, you know that you're not saved just because you call on the Lord. I said, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, well, yeah, I know know what that verse means, but... uh, But it's more than just calling on the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, What about those words, don't you understand? Whosoever, that's pretty broad, shall call, ask, pray. The word pray is the same as asking. Ask. Upon the name of the Lord, that's who you're praying to, shall, that's a pretty definite word, be, that's the state of being, saved. Uh, That's saved with an E-D, not being saved, but saved. It's, It's a point in time when you call and you mean that prayer, you're saved. Now, if you want to debate how you have to call, how sincere you have to call, what has to happen when you... That's, that, that's fine. You can split hairs if you want to. But for you to say salvation is more than calling on the Lord is going against the plain teaching of God's Word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's what was said to the Philippian jailer. And I've had another friend say, well, yeah, but it's more than believe. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, yeah, but it... uh, So in other words, you believe in salvation by works. Now, it's interesting how many people will say, no, we don't believe in salvation by works. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And they're good to quote that verse. And then they'll say, well, yeah, you believe, but then you better back it up with your life. Well, that sounds like works. Well, then you better do this and this and this and this. Uh, Are you saying you do that for salvation or because you're saved? Well, it's, it's not for salvation, but if you really got saved, hmm, what's the difference between getting saved and getting really saved? Aren't they one and the same? 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, most people come to faith in Christ as children. How many of you were young when you gave your life to Christ? Did you know the theology of salvation? Did you know all the theological terms of salvation? Did you know all the implications of salvation? Did you know all that took place that very moment you invited Christ in your life? No, you spend the rest of your life learning those things. But salvation is a sinner going to the Savior for forgiveness, salvation. Because Jesus is our only hope. And when you get a a sinner with the Savior, the product is a saint. That's someone who's had their sins forgiven. That's someone who's got their name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's someone who just had a title deed given to them of a mansion in heaven, a place where they will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you and I will spend the rest of our lives learning the wonder of it. And may I just throw out there that all that we learn during our life will not come close to what we see in the first five seconds of heaven we will realize what Jesus Christ did for such a lowly, undeserving sinner as all of us in humanity are. And forever, we'll have no problem singing his praises when we see what he has in store for such undeserving people. Well, so we're coming to the subject of assurance. How do you know you're saved. Well, we have the veracity of God because God said it, okay? But is that all there is? No, that's not all there is. In this passage, we're going to find that God not only gives us his word, but we also know he gives us his spirit, right? And his spirit is not neutral in our lives, This Holy Spirit of God doesn't just dwell in us and is neutral. No, he assures us of our salvation. He is the earnest of our completed salvation, that heaven is our eternal home. The very fact that the Holy Spirit of God chose to live in us is the earnest or the down payment of our full benefits of salvation, which we will not have until we stand in the presence of God forever. So how does the Holy Spirit do that? Well, that's, that's what we're going to see in, in this lesson tonight and in this passage of Scripture. How does the Holy Spirit go about giving us assurance in spite of the fact, in spite of the fact that our heart constantly condemns us when we mess up? Constantly. Oh, you call yourself a Christian. Oh, what a bad... Oh, you shouldn't. Oh, what a terrible mother you are. What a terrible father. What a terrible son. What a terrible this or that. Uh, Because we all fail. And we always will. As long as we're in this flesh, we'll fail. 
So despite the fact that our heart condemns us, what does the Word of God say about the assurance that we get from the Holy Spirit who indwells us? Well, that's what we're looking at. So let's start in verse 19, and let's read down through verse 24. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, let me stop right there. The answer is yes, our heart does. For if our heart condemn us, here's the clause, God is greater than our hearts. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. That's what comes from God. He's greater than our hearts. And knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatever, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because he keepeth his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of God. Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. And let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll open up the scripture. I pray that you'll show us a great truth that'll be very encouraging and comforting. To all of us as believers, dear Father, help us to see the assurance that's found in your word and found by your spirit that dwells within us because the very one who purchased our salvation is also the one who placed his spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit of God. And so meet with us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so I am excited about looking at this subject of the assurance that we have as believers. And uh, so let's jump right in in verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Uh, And hereby, that word uh, in Greek is by this. So hereby, in other words, by this do we know that we are in the truth that we are manifest by a readiness to make sacrifices to do uh, good to uh, the cause of Christ. We know that we are of the truth, the Bible says. We are not deceived in what we profess to be. That is, we are true Christians. Now, as a believer, we do not have to constantly say, uh, I look in the mirror and say, I am a believer. It's not something you name and claim. It's something you trust Christ for and you possess. So it's not you working up this conviction that you are a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. I've been in church these years. Yes, I'm a Christian. Uh, I do this and this and this. Yes, I am a Christian because I remember when, you know, we are a Christian and we know that because of what God has done in our life through his spirit. And so the witness of the Holy Spirit of God is our confirmation, is our assurance. Now, and let me just stop along the way and give you not just the, uh, what we see in these verses, but help, help me, um, allow me to uh, share a little 
bit of theology. Uh, one of the things I always enjoyed as a young man uh, who read the Word of God quite a bit and still uh, continue to read the Word of God a lot is to uh, think uh, through God's Word and think through the passage of Scripture. And so I, I love to talk theology with different people. In college, I enjoyed it with pastor friends along the way. I really haven't had that many to uh, have those discussions with, but I do enjoy those things. And so, how do we know we are of the Spirit of God? Because we trust Christ as our personal Savior, and we are not trying to convince ourselves that we are believers. The Holy Spirit of God does that. He brings that conviction. Now, I've heard said so many years, and no doubt you have heard this the very same way, that if you lead someone to Christ and they truly did not believe in Jesus Christ, and you say, based on what you've heard, that they're saved, that you are tripping them up because you're giving them false assurance. And so let me address that. If you don't believe you're saved, there's no one on earth that can convince you you are if the Holy Spirit doesn't. If the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you has not convinced you, nobody else on earth is going to convince you that you're saved. Yeah, I was there. Remember when you were 12? I was there when you prayed. So yeah, you're saved. You're, oh, okay, thank you. And, but within the hour, you're going to think, I, I don't think I was saved. Unless the Holy Spirit. And here's the flip side of that. If you have indeed trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it really doesn't matter how backslidden you are as a Christian. Nobody's going to convince you you're not saved. When you know you are. You say, look, I know I'm a Jonas right now. I, I know I'm a Peter, you know, denying Christ with my life. I understand that. But I did trust Christ as my Savior. I am his child. And some of you right here were saved as a child and had months, weeks, months, years in your life where you were not close to the Lord, right? You were straying from the Lord. Now, when you were straying the furthest from the Lord and someone came up and said, well, you're apparently not even a Christian. You'd say, no, I am. I'm not a good representative of one, but I am. Because I have indeed trusted Christ as my Savior. So here's what I say about false assurance. If someone is not a believer, there's no way under heaven you're going to assure them they're a believer other than the Holy Spirit of God who indwells them, who alone bears witness with their spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are the child of God. But I can't convince you that you are. That's like me convincing you you are wealthy when you know your bank account and I don't. Only you and the banker can convince yourself that you're wealthy. The banker can say, yeah, it's in your account. You, you got it made. 
then you can say, oh, okay. But someone telling you you're wealthy isn't going to do it. And someone telling you you're saved, when there's no insurance and the, the Holy Spirit of God has not given you that witness that you are a believer. And I don't mean he's talking to you. I mean, you know you did what God said do. When you have done that, you've got the witness of the Holy Spirit and no one can convince you you're not saved. So I say that for those who, so I, here's, I say all that for this. <clears throat> Just keep witnessing and witnessing and witnessing and God knows who's saved and who isn't. And those who are saved, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside them. And, and lead people in prayer. Try to lead as many people to Christ as you're possible. But I might be able to fool you, but I can't fool God. And so uh, don't be worried about someone making a false profession. Just make sure you explain salvation clearly enough for them to make a choice to accept or prolong or reject the gospel message. So we know that we're of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him, that is before the Savior. In the margin, the Greek word rendered shall assure is the word also translated persuade or persuade it. The Greek word is used as a meaning to persuade uh, the reception and belief of the truth. To persuade anyone who has unkind or prejudiced feelings toward us or to bring over to kind feelings to uh, conciliate and thus to pacify or quiet. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God not only will convince us that we are believers, but if you spend time around me, it should also convince you that I'm a believer. Not because I do everything right, but you're going to sense the Holy Spirit of God living in me, just like you also sense the Holy Spirit of God living in you. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, weird feelings and vibes and any like that, but any Christian knows that your spirit bears witness with someone else who is a believer. Amen? You, you know, you just think, I think that's a person. You can be at an airport and just observe people and say, I think that's a Christian. I think that's a believer. Because there's just, we, we, we are a strange breed. We act a little different. We're a little kinder. We're a little nicer under difficult situations. And when we, when we are that, it's like people with a radar up say, oh, that's a Christian. They know because we bear witness with each other. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God shall assure our hearts before him. Now, that's before God who we were at outs with, right? We were sinners. He is holy. We were outside of fellowship with God. But our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ gives us the assurance that we're saved. saved, And the Holy Spirit also gives the Father the assurance that we are indeed his children. To the reception and belief of the truth, to persuade anyone... Uh, that is against which God was against because we were lost in sin, not that he hated us, 
but we were outside of the fellowship of God because we were sinners. We were aliens to God. Uh, The meaning is that we shall in this way allay the doubts and trouble of our minds and produce a state of quiet peace. So uh, I read a commentary, and, and I love this phrase, so let me share this with you, this paragraph. Our conscience are often restless and troubled in view of past guilt, but in thus uh, furnishing the evidence of true piety by love to others, we shall pacify an accusing mind and conciliate our own hearts and persuade or convince ourselves that we are truly the children of God. So in other words, remember... um, the commandment that we read in verse uh, 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, the Lord Jesus. Okay, that's salvation. And love one another. Now, wait a minute. They're not, they're not the same. Because unless we become children of Christ, we are not going to love one another. And so he's talking about we ought to be saved and we ought to love each other. That's like someone saying you ought, to be, you ought to get saved and you ought to go to church. But church isn't what saves us. Getting saved is what saves us. Going to church is something that's good to do after we're saved. And loving one another is a command of God after we have become his child. So the command is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells within us. And what's one of the proofs that we know that we're Christians is all of a sudden we start loving our brethren. We start loving other Christians and we don't even know them and we don't even think like them and we weren't even raised like them. And we didn't have the same mother or father. And we, we, we come from all different walks of life. But there is this innate love that is automatically produced in our hearts just by the fact that the Spirit of God lives inside of us, God in us, and God is love. So it's not something we drum up. So it's not like get saved and you should love one another. No, get saved and you shall start loving one another because it's not anything you produce. You know, the love that humanity produces is like, I'll love you and so I can get something from you. I'll love you to get that job. I'll love you uh, to, to get uh, help from you. I'll love you so that you will love me back. I'll love you. But it's, it's a one-sided, it's a love to get. But when we're in Christ, it's a love to give. It's a love to give. We're not asking for anything. I'll, I'll be friendly to someone at church. I'm not trying to get anything out of you. And you're not trying to get anything out of me. We're just brothers and sisters acting like brothers and sisters in Christ, Right? We have no motive to otherwise just to show the love of Christ. And, uh, and so that, that very draw for us to love other believers 
Well, that is, that is a stamp of authenticity that we are indeed God's children. And so what this commentator is saying, even with all the past failures and sometimes present failures, the fact that we still have this love for God's people is proof by the Holy Spirit of God that we are his children. So you're more likely to question salvation if you've never been baptized with a love for people. If God hasn't given you that love, innate love for people. Around this time of year, we've taken up an offering and people have been giving. We're we're giving to um, the Biazos in Peru. And we don't even know those people. Now, I know the Biazos. Some of you don't. I know them well. But they're not, that money doesn't go to them. They're spending it to win hundreds of people to Christ. Had over 300 people saved so far this week. Uh, Priests to about 800. And they're just getting started. Uh, I was talking to John. And I said, well, what's your goal? He said, well, honestly, I, I would love for us to preach 8,000. They're just going to different places and preaching all over their city. They don't have a building that can hold all that. And if there was, they couldn't afford it. But they can go to places where people live and gather hundreds of people and preach to them and see scores and scores of them saved. And they're doing that all through the holidays, trying to reap a great harvest for the cause of Christ. And we're giving to that. And we don't even know the people that are getting saved. Why would we as Christians care? We don't know them. Because someone inside of us cares. The Holy Spirit inside of us. So you see, it's not because we motivate that love. It's not like, well, you know, I know those people to be very sincere. And I think we ought to give. And I think they're worthy of it. And I think this and I think that. It has nothing to do with that. Our love is not motivated by our knowledge of them, by our love for them, by our like for them. Our love is motivated by the one who indwells us, the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one who prompts us to give. He's the one that prompts us to talk to people. He's the one that prompts us to be kind to people. He's the one that shows love to others. And the love that comes from us and out of us is a sign and assures us that we are in Christ. You could say, well, I know I trusted Christ when I was nine years old. Well, I did too. But then I could put you on a stand and say, now, what did you pray? I don't don't know. I was nine. I I don't know what I prayed. Uh, well, uh, did you understand this and this about salvation? Well, no, at that time, I, I, I just knew I was a sinner. I, that's all I knew. Do you think that was enough? Uh, yeah. Do you think you knew that at nine? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. See, in other words, if it's just the fact that you remember the, t- the date and the place, someone says, you got to remember the time and the place. Well, I don't remember the time. I know the place. I don't know the time. But here's what I do know. I know that I've got a supernatural love that 
I didn't have. And I can't work up. And you can't work up. And that's what constantly assures me I'm God's child. Not because I'm always kind, but because I am kind. Not because I'm always good, but because I am good at any time. That's a a good thing from God. There is none good, remember. And if there's anything good in us, it's what God put in there. And every time goodness shows up in our life, that's the Holy Spirit of God saying, I'm in here. I'm in you. I'm going to keep doing these things because I'm in you. And the very fact that you have those promptings to be good and be kind and be loving is the signet from God that he gives us that constant assurance that we are his child. Because that's only what happens in the life of God's child. I love studying these verses and getting that constant assurance. Not that I had doubts, but I know Christians do have doubts. And you need to understand the power of God's word and and the assurance that Jesus wants every one of his Christians to have. A.T. Robinson Robinson was a a famous Greek scholar and he wrote Robinson's word uh, pictures. And he says about this, it says, in other words, though a person's heart may condemn him as guilty, and though he knows that God sees and condemns the sin of his past life, yet the uh, agitations and alarms of his mind may be calmed down and soothed by the evidence that he is God's child and that he will not be finally condemned. A true Christian does not attempt to conceal the fact that there is much for which his own heart and conscience might justly accuse him, but he finds notwithstanding all of this evidence that he is God's child and he is persuaded that all will be well. Okay, so let me put it in another practical way. Uh, how many here, and uh, this is a hypothetical question, you, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I'm going to ask the question. If I ask you to raise your hand, how many here would say, probably every week at least, you mess up, I'm being gracious, right? So every week there's probably some area of your life you mess up. Uh, maybe it's what you said to your wife or didn't say to your wife or vice versa. Uh, but in some way or some category, you'd say, yeah, I, th- I think I messed up. I think every one of us could raise our hand on that, right? Now, let me ask this question. How many of us, uh, because of that, couldn't go to sleep well at night? And the answer would be, well, if you upset your wife, she's laying next to you. You can't do that. <laughs> but, but, 
But for the most of us, we, we put the head on the pillow and we go out, right? We sleep just fine. Because if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. The condemnation that comes from our flesh is overwhelmed by the confidence that comes from our Christ that we are his child. So if your uh, son or daughter disobeys or, or they do something wrong, though it may break your heart, your child doesn't go to bed weeping, worried that they may no longer be your son. No, they may be sad, they may be sorry that they hurt you, but they don't go to bed weeping because they think that they may lose the relationship that you have with them. No, that, that's not going to happen. No matter what they do, that's your child. You're going to love them unconditionally no matter what happens. And you assure them that on a constant basis. And so does Christ through his Holy Spirit. In verse 20, the Bible says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. It shall assure our hearts before him. Uh, Whensoever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He is superior in greatness in regard to his relationship. And so our heart might bring judgment because our heart is motivated by our flesh. And our flesh can be worked on by the devil. He's the prince and power of the air. He is the accuser of the brethren. So he may work on us, but... God is greater than our heart and God brings his comfort that we are his child and the Holy Spirit of God was sent to that case. So the sense is when our heart condemns us, we we shall quiet it with the assurance that we are in the hands of a God who is greater than our heart, who surpasses man in love and compassion, no less than in knowledge This latter sense better suits the whole drift of the discussion. Uh, Some have said, well, if our heart condemns us, well, God's greater, so he's going to condemn us worse. Well, yeah, that doesn't help because we already are good at condemning ourselves. God forgave us in his son, Christ, once and forever, once and for all time. And so he consoles us that we are still his dear children. Uh, In verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. So the converse uh, to the preceding verse, but not a claim to sinlessness, but the consciousness of fellowship in God's presence. And there are those times, you know, we we talk a lot about uh, failing and... uh, maybe having a, a fault or a sin that enters our life. But uh, what we probably don't talk a, a lot about is the fact that most of our life with Christ is great fellowship. Uh, you know, we're, we are clothed in flesh, but we're just not, we're not here to just find out what wrong we can do. We're here to fellowship with God and we enjoy that sweetness and we enjoy the fellowship and we enjoy his word and we enjoy his believers. And and it's just a sweetness that we have in Jesus Christ. 
And those who love the brethren have that confidence of their relationship with God. By this, they know they're regenerated and that we've been adopted and we are the children of God and can therefore draw nigh to God as their father and call him in holy boldness and in a clear mind before him. Uh, we can speak our heart to God. God knows everything about us. And yet he still summons us to his throne. What an amazing God we have. We, we could have our worst day and yet he still summons us. Children, come, come. I want to talk with you. Come, sit on my knee. Come fellowship with me. Well, God, you don't want to talk to me. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. You're my child. All is forgiven. Come on. And that's what we need to see. And, and I am convinced that our own mind and uh, the accusations of the accuser, the devil himself, tries to so trouble our mind to keep us from going and sitting on our father's knee. He wants to give us a hug. He wants to love on us. He wants to fellowship with us. Uh, but we're all sort of standoffish because, yeah, but I don't deserve that. Well, you never did. And you never will. But that's why our salvation was wrought by Christ. So we can in his stead. And we can go. And you know, when Jesus Christ ascended, the Bible says he sat down on the right hand of the Father if you look and study all the high priests in the Old Testament, you're never going to find any of them sitting down because they were always busy, busy, busy. But Jesus sat down because his work was finished. It was finished. And so he sits in the presence of God the Father on his right hand, ever interceding for us. And so... The joy that we can have with the Father, don't let it be hindered by your flesh or your accusing mind. Realize that your salvation is in the person of Christ. And because the Holy Spirit of God has given you this love for believers, that's his assurance that you are indeed his child. Not that you never, you know, cross paths with a Christian you're not upset with, but you have this love that comes from him that's supernatural, shouldn't be there, doesn't make sense. Those people are not like you, and yet you still have this love for them because that's a brother and that's a sister in Christ. And it just, you, you think nothing of it. It's like, well, that's just normal. Well, it is for a Christian, yeah. But were you not a Christian, it would not be a part of your life. It would not be normal. It would not be something you experience. And so we find that God does a work in our life and that work brings forth his assurance. When it says as keeping his commandments, I want to deal with that. It's not that these things are uh, in gratitude or ingrated into the love and favor of God. In other words, we, we do not do what we do for God to love us more. 
Because God can't love us more. He loves us with his whole being. He already does. We're the apple of his eye. And, and that, you know, I'm sure you've all heard that term, but the apple of the eye is the reflection when you look into the iris and, and you look into someone's eye and you're close to them, you look into their eye, you see a reflection of yourself. Because you can look in their eye and see a reflection of what they're looking at. And if you looked into the apple of God's eye, you'd see you. Because you're the apple of his eye. He's the one, he's looking at you. You're the one he's looking at. That's how I want to word it. He's the one you're looking at. So if you looked in God's eye, you'd see your reflection. He's looking at you. And what a wonderful thing. So all of our efforts is not to gain God's love. It's simply because we love him. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. We'll see that in chapter 4, 1 John. We love him because he first loved us. And so we have this love for God. These things that God approves of and, and brings joy to God's heart, we delight in doing those. It's not like, well, I got to keep this commandment. This, I got to do this. I got to do. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of us, we just naturally have a love for people. The Holy Spirit puts that there. We have a natural uh, affinity to wanting to please God because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He's our teacher. The Bible says he will guide us into all truth. So we want to, not because we have a list that says you've got to do this, 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 this. No, no. We just love God. Because the Holy Spirit gives us that love for God and for Christ, just like he gives us that love for one another. In verse 24, the Bible says, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. So we know that by the Spirit which has been given by God dwells in us, because that spirit bears witness. Um, and so, uh, here's another quote I want to give. It was not by the conjecture or inference that Christians of old knew they were in the favor of God because of what they did. No. They knew they were in favor of God because of the testimony of God's own spirit that lived in their hearts. And that's how you and I know it. So we don't know we're Christians because we're uh, doing so well. We know we're Christians because we love God and we love others. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That, and so that signifies that's not what saved us. But that's what shows us we're saved, is the Holy Spirit of God doing his work in our life. Every good man is a temple of the Holy Ghost, and wherever he is, he is both light and power. By his power, he works. By his light, he makes both himself and his work known. 
peace of consciousness and joy in the Holy Ghost must proceed from the indwelling of that Holy Spirit, never from our efforts. It all comes from the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. For we cannot have heavenly peace and heavenly joy without knowing that we have the presence of God's Spirit already in us. Because he is the one that brings the joy and he is the one that brings the peace. So his presence bears witness to our own indwelling, to his, its own indwelling, so that a man not only knows that he has the Spirit from the fruits of the Spirit, but he knows he has it from his own direct witness. Okay, so what this passage of Scripture is telling us is that we know we know we're saved, not just by the veracity of God. God said, if I believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would be saved. Well, that's true. That's true. We know we're saved because we trust God's word. We know that. But we also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gives us a supernatural love for other believers, some of which we don't know, but we love them anyway. And we have a tender heart for them. And we have compassion for them, and we pray for them. Some of us will hear about some of our members uh, suffering a loss. Uh, John Hoxie's father-in-law passed away today. And so you'll hear about that and you'll, you'll, you'll pray for his family. Now, he's been sick for a while, John was saying. And so it's well that he's in heaven, but still, that's a loss. And whenever you hear about another believer's loss, there's something in your heart that wants to stop and say, Lord, help them. Lord, be with that family. Lord, comfort them. Lord, where does that come from? Is it because I owe John Hoxie so much that none, it, it has nothing to do with anything John has been to me, although he's been very kind to me? It's because he's my brother and sister and, and because another believer. And so I can hear about believers in the other side of the planet that are going through a rough time and I can stop and say, Lord, please help them. And it's not because I have any natural infinity to them. It's because the Holy Spirit who lives in me does. Everybody see that? The same Holy Spirit in me is the same Holy Spirit lives in you. And so the Holy Spirit that loves you is also the Holy Spirit that loves me. And it's the same Holy Spirit that wants us to love one another. Because when I'm loving you, I'm loving someone that Christ died for. And the same Holy Spirit that prompts that love is the same Holy Spirit that lives in that believer. He's prompting me to love. Everybody see how that works? 1 John chapter 3 is filled with so much theological depth that that's why I wanted to take just a few verses at a time and try to just dig a little deeper and help us to see the assurance of our salvation 
and the fact that it's settled in heaven forever. And you and I, let's just love God, love each other, and serve him to the best of our ability. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the assurance that only the presence of your Holy Spirit can give. And Lord, I pray that you'll take the truth of this teaching from your word, and I pray that it would find a home in everyone's heart. Lord, I know that our flesh would accuse us. I know that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, but Lord, I know you're not. I know in, in you is great joy and great peace and great confidence and great assurance. And Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for all you do in our lives. I'm afraid we don't thank you enough, but what a blessing you are as the comforter. Not just for the toil of this life and the tragedies we will go through, but you are a great comfort for us to know we're saved and we are God's children eternally. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray you'll bring great peace and hope to everyone here and to all who might have watched online. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Piano's going to be playing for just a minute.